you so much for joining us on the CCA California podcast. Good to be with you another week. Today, we've got a very special guest. Before I introduce him, we've got Mr. Darren Crow. Darren, what's good, man? How are you? Uh, I'm not on the water, so I'm not. I guess I'm okay. Yeah, that makes two of us. Yeah. Makes two of us. That's crazy. Uh, Before we get started, guys, make sure to go follow us on Instagram at CCA California. Make sure to go to wherever you get your podcast to like and subscribe to us for uh, new content every week. And without further ado, a man that needs no introduction, Mr. Dave Hansen, your saltwater guy. Dave, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? I am great. Good morning, you guys. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited. Absolutely. I love love to talk. <laughs> we we've heard we've heard that about you, so we, we we figured we'd get you on here. But uh, Dave, I know, like I said, you really don't need any introduction. Everyone knows you from everything from your saltwater guide to the shows to everything in between. But for the people that live under a rock, tell us a little <laughs> about yourself, man. All right. Good morning, everybody. My name is Dave Hansen. I I was blessed to be raised in the. In the big time fishing family of the Hansons, my father was in, started out in the industry in 1947, and then he was the very first business in Dana Point Harbor when they completed the harbor in 1971. He was known as the Don of sport fishing. He was a big, big driving force in the fact that we all were allowed to fish. He worked hand in hand with Chris and Wayne over at CCA, plus he sat on Oh gosh, you can't even can't even count all the boards that he sat on to make sure that fishing stayed open. He was super, super important, a super driving force in making sure that we took kids fishing. He gave back to the community more than anybody can even imagine. He didn't look for the accolades. He didn't want anybody to know what he was doing, but he was out there in the forefront before there we even knew there was a forefront. He was making sure that we stay kept fishing open and we sure do miss him today and if you guys want to understand a little bit more about my father you just can google donald k hansen and then set back and watch the hundreds of thousands of pages pop up he was appointed by the president at the time barack obama and he traveled around the world setting the limits on the tuna for the united states of america so he was he wore so many hats and i was just blessed to be involved with it because he was my father and I started out working on the sport boats for him when I was 14 years old back in 1977, 78. Got my captain's license when I was 19 and took off running sport boats for a long time. Then I got into the yacht world and the guide service world and I took you on your boat, taught you how to fish on your boat when no one had ever done it before. I created that in business out of thin air. It's still an untapped part of the industry. I don't know why, but there's so many people out there that want to learn how to fish and they have a boat and uh, there's so much opportunity for us to get out there and teach people the inside of sport fishing that most people never get a chance to even see. And that's the unfortunate thing about it, Chris. Mm -hmm. Most people sell their boats before they find out the, how cool fishing is. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, personally, you know, when you buy a boat and all that, you're always, uh, that those first couple trips that you take, you always want to get out in the water, go fishing and all that. But the first couple t- trips that you take, it's almost like running blind in a way because you, it puts you in a completely different mindset rather than going on somebody else's boat or, or a sport boat to where 
everyone's got everything figured out, but you have to do it all yourself. And having a service like yours, it's so much, so much comfort there. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm blessed. I have three really good captains working for me right now or working with me, not for me, with me. I got Pablo down in San Diego that takes people out on their boats and he also has a charter boat. Then I got pretty much most of the Southern California area, let's say from Oceanside to uh, Marina Del Rey, I got Justin Botrell. And then up in the Channel Islands, I got Sonny Sonny, who is uh, ran sport boats for years up there. So he's breaking the code of the Channel Islands. So we have it covered pretty good, the three guides, but they work nonstop. They, it's mind boggling how many people hire them to go out on their boats now that they know that this service is available. Because let's get, let's be honest, the price of fuel today is mind boggling. Mm -hmm. And to go out and try to figure this fishing thing out on your own is, that's just a silly way to approach it when there's so many ways to figure it out. And you got to be careful too, though, on the internet, there's so many people that have been fishing for a week or a month and they want to teach you how to fish. And (laughs) you got to be careful who you're listening to. My dad taught me when I was a little boy, don't take fishing advice from someone who hasn't fished for a living for at least 20 years. And don't take financial advice from someone who doesn't own a jet. (laughs) (laughs) That's good advice. I like that. That's a good motto. Um, Dave, going back to your father, I just personally, you know, great man. He, he, you know, I I knew I got the the opportunity to know him a little bit and uh, over the years. And it's really, really super cool for me, at least driving on, um, I've, basically driving on that main drag in Dana point and seeing the big Don Hansen sign right there and uh, in dedication to him. Super, super cool, man. Oh my God. It's insane. We lost my father last year and it was a tragic event, but they named Dana point Harbor after my father. So like Chris was saying, when you pull into Dana point Harbor on your right hand side, about the first eighth of a mile or something, there's a big giant blue sign there that says Don Hansen Memorial way. And it, basically is a tribute to my father. So it's a pretty cool thing. It's hard to not shed a tear when you drive by that sign every day. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's super cool to see. And, you know, he was, you, we certainly do miss him and he was a force to be reckoned with too. Uh, industry, industry wise, you know, policy wise and all that. He was everywhere. Yeah. It was amazing how he knew, he knew about what they were going to talk about before they started talking about it. It kind of blew most of us in the industry's mind how he was inside everybody's head before they even knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think when it comes to and and especially in that realm of policy and and you know going to PFMC meetings and all that, it was super important to, to have that guy in our back pocket and you know especially doing a guy that's on our side fishing for, for his life and made it his career and all that. We, we need that. We, we need more of that. And, and guys, you know, it's, it's really, really tough and big shoes to fill. Yeah. And one of the most incredible things you guys to think about and everybody that's listening is the tragic thing about this whole thing about shutting down fishing is never, ever, ever has the recreational fishermen had an impact on the population of any kind of fish. I'm sorry. I know you both feel like you're really good fishermen, but I'm sorry. You had no impact on the population of the fish in the ocean. 
And it's the biggest scam being put down everybody's throat when they tell you catch, photograph, and release. Listen, we pay a phenomenal amount of money for the right to fish in the ocean. If you catch a fish and it's legal to keep, you should take it home and eat it. Fish taste really, really good. They taste just like fish. And uh, <laughs> there's no reason for us to be under attack every day. But you both understand we are the lowest hanging fruit on the vine is the recreational fishermen because you cannot. Here's the really sad thing. And I talk about it on my podcast every single day. We can't agree as sport fishermen, as recreational fishermen, you can't get us to agree. You can put all three of us in a room and we won't agree on anything. And that's why it's so easy for them to take stuff from us because we'll fight amongst ourselves and they all watch and they're like, oh my gosh, we can grab this. We can grab that. Because look at these booger eaters. They can't even agree on anything and they're on the same team. It blows my mind every single day. And I have so many conversations. I get about 10,000 comments a week on my social media platform. And it's so important, I think, to educate people that we are not the enemy. Yeah, that that's really been the message for us the last couple of years where, okay, we have a lot of common ground here. We want clean waters. We want to fish. We want, we want what's best for the environment and all that. But yet we're portrayed as the enemy. It's, re it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but the main reason is because we fight amongst ourselves in public. Like you can't even comprehend and it's so sad. Just like I was talking to uh, Darren, who's a big time Persaner fisherman. That's what his family's done for their whole lives. Those, those uh, limits were set up by my father and some people way smarter than the three of us. Mm -hmm. And the United States of America is allowed to catch X amount of tuna every year. Our appetite for seafood in the United States of America is second to none. Even though they all say, oh, China and Japan. No, nobody eats more than we do. Nobody eats more. Nobody's more gluttonous than the United States of America. But then you'll have sport fishermen attacking the Persane fleet saying, oh, there they are, the enemy. What? What? <laughs> I, it just blows my mind. Where would you like us to get our seafood? Do you want us to buy all our seafood from China? Is that what you're? Is that what you want? See, we can't agree on anything, and that's the point. We cannot agree on it. We think that the persaners are raping the ocean. They have such limits and and re restrictions set on them, like people can't even comprehend it's already all they're not hurting the population you all need to understand we need to all work together on this thing because we're just all we're all doing is shooting ourselves in the foot every time we get on line and disagree about anything mm -hmm. we're just causing them they, they, them meaning the environmentalists the uneducated people out there that are doing this they're the they're the ones that watch us and if you don't think they're watching all of you making all these silly comments all over social media, they are. They're watching you and they're just going, oh, wow. You know what? We should shut down the yellowfin tuna because look at they all hate the, the commercial fish. Like, oh, this will be easy. We can grab this one. And we're like, stop fighting with each other. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I get off. I'll go, I'll go 100 miles an hour in any direction to get pointed. No, I, I, I'm here for it, Dave. Um, you know. Over the years, though, has it, in your opinion, 
has it improved a little bit at least, or are we still kind of in the same boat as 20 years ago? I think the, the, the backfighting between us as recreational fishermen is out of control now because you have so many people that are hiding behind their computer screen that can make these super lame comments with zero education. There's really to the, there's only really two real, real, real problems. And I know everybody on here is going to disagree with me, but there's two real, real problems that are never, ever, ever, ever going to be addressed. Let's hear it. One, one is the super hot topic that you can't, you're not allowed to talk about is the California sea lion. That animal, what we've done to that animal is super criminal. That is just the most criminal thing. If you did that to a dog or a cat, oh my God, you'd go to prison. But we can do that to sea lions every single day. And then the other one is urban runoff. Those are the two things that have a direct effect on all of us for fishing. But nobody will talk about either one. Those are hot buttons, but you're not allowed to talk about them. Not allowed to talk about them at all in any way, shape, or form. If you bring up the word sea lion anywhere, you're going to be attacked immediately. What we've done to the California sea lion is super sad because we took an animal that's a wild animal, and we didn't believe that they any animal, any sea lion shall ever die. So back in the 70s and 80s when they got, well, back in 1967, 68, they got put on the endangered species list. The Marine Mammals Act went into effect, and that's when we started to protect these animals. And then we they had a disease that would kill them called lungworm, and we eradicated that by vaccinating a wild animal, which is the most ludicrous thing you could ever even <laughs> try to tell. They did that. Now the population of the California sea lion is at a level that is just criminal because these poor animals it has nothing to do with fishing. It has nothing to do with fishing. It has to do with overpopulation. This animal is so overpopulated now that there's nowhere for them to go. And this is caused by humans. This is not caused by nature. This is us. We do not allow any sea lion to ever die of natural causes or man-made. Now, I understand man-made causes. That's brutal. And we can't just let that be. And I'm on your team on that one, everybody that's listening. But the... The uh, nature, taking care of nature, that should not be, and we won't allow it. If an animal washes up on the beach, he's too weak to feed himself, which is nature. We grab that animal and we take him up to the centers and we intravenously feed him and we force feed him until he's strong enough to go out into the wild. And then we put him back out in the wild where what's happening? He's so, he's not smart enough to feed himself. So then what he's going to do is he's going to follow around all the boats or lay in the harbor at the bait barge or all these animals that are in the harbors and in the bait barges, they're all homeless animals. They're homeless. That's, <laughs> they don't want to be there. They want to be out on Santa Cruz Island or Catalina or somewhere lounging around in the sun, enjoying themselves, but there's no room because they're overpopulated. So those are the only, and then urban runoff, but boy, we, that's a real hot button. We can't talk about that. Oh my gosh. You mean we can't build any more houses on the beach? We can't make any more roads that just wash all the garbage into the ocean? <sighs> Sorry. No, it's, it's all good, man. I, you know, I, I totally agree with the sea lion, uh, the, that whole perspective too, because in a way it's almost super cruel because we're not yeah. only we're, they're, they're super overpopulated. But now they're competing for a food source that is finite. 
And now, you know, more more often than not, all these sea lions that are basically attacking the sport boats and following them around and all that, they're doing it for survival. They're 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 basically starving because they're so all overpopulated and they're competing with each other for the food for the food source. It's it's unbelievable. Right, but the very first thing when you use that verbiage, Chris, the very first thing they say is that the reason there's no food is because of the recreational fishermen. So you got to yeah. be careful. It's a double-edged sword. You very you got to watch how we word this because it's not for a lack of food source. It, there's plenty of food out there. There are fat, lazy um for I don't know, maybe I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but there's some animals that aren't supposed to live. They're just not everything can live. It just mm-hmm. it just can't be. And there's some animals that aren't smart enough to live. But now they have way out. But here's the really scary thing. And I've been talking about this for months on my podcast. Mondays, we pretty much on my podcast, which goes live every day, Monday through Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And we bring in special guests all the time. But Mondays are the day we kind of talk about all the things that are going on in the world. Mm-hmm. The California sea lion started eating people about four years ago. If your dog or my dog got out loose in the front yard and went and bit a human, immediately, they don't even think about it, immediately, that animal is put down immediately. No matter how much you love that animal and how good he's been to your family, if he bites another human walking down the street, we put that animal to, to sleep immediately. We don't even talk about it. It's just a known fact. If your animal bites somebody, here's what happens when the California sea lion bites them and they bite people every single day and they're not biting them. They're only biting them because we're meat and they eat meat. They're trying to eat us. But then when they do bite us, Everybody gets all excited. Go, oh, 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 this is a sick animal. And they grab them, put them in a box. Then they have a parade for this animal that attacked a human. And they have a parade and people stand on the side of the road and cheer. And they can't get their monies out of their pockets fast enough to give to this animal. Then they take them to a beautiful resort like SeaWorld, put them up at a five-star resort and feed them the most incredible food. And this is how he gets rewarded for attacking a human. Then... We have another parade where we take him back to the ocean where he did the damage on the human beings and we let him know that everything he just did was rewarded. So what's that animal? And they're smart. Sea lions are way smarter than you and I. Mm -hmm. So he goes, I want to go back to the resort and all I have to do is bite a human. I'm going to go bite Chris's baby. (laughs) (laughs) No way to hell. But I mean, but no, am I lying? No, no. I mean, we all saw that video of that little girl that kind of that got dragged uh, underneath the water uh, when she was just sitting on the dock right there, right? Right. But it's happening in San Diego like every day down at the beach. And then they said it was uh, because of red tide. No, it's not. It's because they're starving to death and we're meat and they're eating us. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Never apologize, man. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't want to hear the truth, so well, be careful. Yeah, truth hurts sometimes. Well, let, let's kind of move on a little bit. <laughs> when it comes to, uh, let's talk a little bit about your service and your podcast here. You've got so much of a of a great reach and a, so much of a wealth of knowledge stemming from your family, and and you know, obviously, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Dana Wharf too, um, and from your father as well. 
tell us tell us your program, man. The gist of your program, and you've got a podcast that's super popular that everyone tunes in at, at noon and all that. Tell us a little bit about it. Okay, so back during the uh, shutdown of the the world when they shut down the world, I have ADD. I don't know if you can tell by listening to me right now, but I. I need to be doing stuff all the time and we couldn't do anything and I didn't know what to do. So I started this podcast back then and I did it twice a day. I would do it at 12 o'clock. It would be seminar style talking about how to catch fish in Southern California. And then at night it would be story time, different things that happen in my life. And all of a sudden that just started to just take off. And then I met a young man that started to help me with my social media and now we get about 30 million views a month on social media. I'm on every platform, Threads, uh, the X, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. Every podcast carrier carries my podcast. And uh, we're just out there spreading. I'm just trying to spread positive energy across the wavelengths. There's so much negative out there. So my shows pretty much mostly positive all the time if somebody comes on and tries to be negative i just ban them forever it's super easy on the platforms to ban people so it's kind of cool that part and then i have a guide service that goes along with the podcast and everything else and then i have a uh, a website that i kind of did this whole thing backwards i started my website before i started my social media presence so my website carries 580 how-to videos to catch fish in Southern California. And uh, we have a game plan that comes out every Thursday at 3.30 in the afternoon. And it covers every area from the Channel Islands to the Coronado Islands. We break it down into a library. We have a coastal game plan, which covers Santa Monica Bay. And then we have another coastal game plan that covers from the Horseshoe down to to uh, the Mexican border and it's detailed and it tells you where you should go and what you should do when you get there and how you should go about it. And then we cover Catalina, San Clemente Island, all the Channel Islands. We tell you exactly where to go, exactly what to do because most people have to work during the week and they only get to fish on the weekend. So the game plans come out on Thursday at 3.30 in the afternoon. I've been doing that for four years now. I have never missed a Thursday. They doesn't matter where I'm at. Because I can pick up the telephone because of who we are in the industry and people that want people to go fishing, share the information with me, tackle stores, bait companies, bait boats, sport boats, everybody that understands that it's all about getting everybody fishing, they understand. Now, the the young people, the, the Instagram superstars of fishing, they kind of re are resistant towards what I'm doing. But that just shows how uneducated they are because it's all about making sure that we keep everybody involved in fishing. So that's why we built the website. It costs $9.99 a month to be a member. That's that's uh, less than you spend on two gallons of gas to True. be a member. And then the community I've built over there is incredible. If you guys go onto the website and look at the community section, it's everybody sharing exactly what they're doing out on the water every day with 0.0 negativity allowed on there. So you can talk to each other and share all your stuff. And I think the community is probably even better than the informational videos because it's bringing the whole community together. And then 
we bring guests like you, Chris, and Wayne, and oh my gosh, everybody and every leader in the industry has been on the podcast or will be on the podcast. And if I was doing something wrong, the leaders would not be coming on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And with that little investment per month, I mean, it's it's a no brainer, especially with the, the amount, I mean, let alone gas, but diesel fuel and all that for your private boat. Well worth the well, well worth the investment. Right. And I have a plethora of sport boat captains that are part of the part of this thing and they're on there and they're sharing and they're they're talking and they're giving us information because they all know that this guys that have been doing this for 30 years, they all understand that this is a, a dying industry. And if we don't get together and do this all together, it's going to go away. And you guys, you both are on the inside seeing how bad they want to stop this fishing thing in California, which is so unbelievably sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of getting back to what you were just saying just a minute ago, the popularity, the, the basically the explosion of fishing, especially during COVID and all that stuff. I assume that you probably have the same p- opinion that I do. It's a really good thing for our sport, getting more people involved and really just kind of you know, really expl- growing the sport because if we, you know, if we don't do that, it's got no future. Right. And I think it's really, really important for us to all understand how important children are to this industry. I, I drive that home all the time. I have probably one or two podcasts a month that we just talk about how important it is and the proper way to take children fishing. You do not want to take your children fishing and make it like a punishment. You don't want to tell them they can't bring their phone or their iPad or whatever that they play with all day, every day. If you tell them they can't bring that with them on the boat, now you're making it like it's a bad thing to go fishing. You want to make it as fun as you possibly can. And we try to drive that home every single day on the on the podcast is how important it is to take kids fishing. This guy with the leaf blower needs to blow the leaves right in my front yard right now. sorry well on the note dave of kids taking kids fishing and all that i believe i mean your your family's operation in dana wharf sport fishing that's a huge deal that that's a huge uh i guess uh objective for for dana wharf in general and and for yourself as well getting kids fishing donating the the time and the and the fuel and the kids trips and all that every single month and, you know, it, to a degree, we, we believe the same thing at CCA where, you know, we have to do more kids trips. We have to do more vets trips for not only growing the sport, but also it's the right thing to do too. Because like yourself and like me and like Darren, that's our first, very first memories of fishing where it's, we were just young kids and super, super important in general. Right. Darren, you probably agree with more than anything. When we were kids, we can both remember and Chris too back thinking back first time our grandpa or dad or our mom or somebody in our family took us fishing and introduced us to it for the very first time and we caught our very first fish and how life-changing of an event that was and mm-hmm. my dad like I talked in the very beginning he was a big 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 advocate of kids taking kids fishing doing all that and the really sad thing is is that at the schools nowadays they're teaching the children that fishing is a bad thing and, and people that fish are bad people and people with a suntan are bad. If there's a 
can person, they're bad human. And if they go out and they catch a fish and take it home and eat it, they're a criminal. It's so sad right now that we need to get out in front of this and slow this narrative down. It's up to us. We mm -hmm. should be the educators of our children. Yeah, 100%. Yep, I absolutely agree. Well, just sticking on the kids trips for for just one more thing. Yeah. In your opinion, because you're, you know, you're you're saltwater guide. You're you're Mr. Your saltwater guide. In your opinion, what's the best species or what's the best kids trip in your opinion? Is it bass? Is it rockfish? Nope. What do you mackerel. think? Mackerel. Mackerel. Yep. I tell everybody, <clears throat> go out to the wherever you know the mackerel are at, or if you don't know where they are, you call me. My number is everywhere. I answer every single phone call every single day. That's the really cool thing about my website. Mm -hmm. My phone number is available for everybody, and I talk to everybody. But what you want to do when you take children fishing, don't ever take them offshore. If you take them offshore, then you're the problem. You're a criminal, and I'll, <laughs> I'll arrest you tomorrow morning. <laughs> don't take children fishing offshore. That's the dumbest thing anybody – you, Darren, you understand we go offshore. We got an opportunity to catch a hundred pound bluefin. I don't right. want to catch one, but maybe you are into that kind of crap. I think it's garbage. I wish they'd all go away. So we could <laughs> I don't like to chase bluefin personally, but it costs a phenomenal amount of money. And then there's only two good parts of the bluefin when you, when you eat your bait and when you gaff them and that middle part sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no argument but, here. <laughs> But you need to get a chum bucket. You need to go park wherever the mackerel are. You need to throw that chum bucket over the side, drop your anchor, throw the chum bucket over, then start rigging the rods and making the children all part of that. And then by the time you get everything rigged up, you look over the side, there's a million mackerel. They start catching them. They start getting really excited about it. And everybody's having fun. And then you pull the plug and you say, okay, guys, we got to go home. We got to go home. They're like, no, the fish are biting. Oh, we got to go. You want to leave when they're biting. You don't want to leave when it get when it sucks. Or if you're not a member of my website and you suck at fishing, then don't take your kids because then it's really going to suck for them. And then you lost them forever. Get on my website. I'll teach you exactly how to take kids fishing. But you never want to fish until they get bored. When they're really into it, super into it, you want to pull the plug and say you got to go home. Because then what happens the next time tomorrow or the next day they're going to wake you up in the morning and say dad mom can we go fishing then you just won that's better than winning the lottery when your children ask you if they can go fishing you won but if you go out there and you make it a punishment and they can't have their phone or their ipad or they can't play games while you are trying to find the mackerel and then you take them out there and then you throw the line in the water and they don't catch anything they don't want to do that again that sucks <laughs> That sucks. Don't do that to them. And don't take them offshore. Oh, my gosh. Drive around all day for the opportunity to catch one fish. And they're not going to like it anyway. They're not going to get to wind in the bluefin. You're just totally blowing it. Oh, yeah. Right? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that's how I would do it. And if I was running those kid trips in Dana Point, that's all I would fish for, mackerel. They, kids don't know. And then at the end, of here's how I did it with my kids. At the very end of the trip, on the way home, you stop at McDonald's, you get some chicken McNuggets or whatever the kids like to eat. You take them home, you tell them to take a shower, you pull that stuff out of the bag, you lay it all out on the plates, and you tell them, here's the fish you caught today, let's eat it. They don't know, they're kids. All you got to do is try to be smarter than your children. It's not that hard. <laughs> I'm learning that right now. <laughs> and then 
Then they're going to go, oh, we love to eat fish. They don't know their chicken McNuggets or whatever the garbage is that you feed your children. You just got to make it fun. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm taking notes right now. <laughs> Dave, when, right. uh, when it comes to, uh, I guess, your, 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 your travels and all that stuff, you're running the guide service. You've got the website going on. You've got the podcast every day and all that. W- what's life like for you, man, just in general? I know, I think you're down in Cabo or yeah. at, currently you're in Tahoe, but you're right, down I'm in Cabo up. doing the private boat life. How, how's life in general, man? Okay. Here's, I'm up in Tahoe right now with my granddaughter. She was on the show yesterday with my son. I interviewed my son on the show and plus Thursdays are text the show Thursdays. You can ask any questions you want. So a lot of people are asking questions to my son, but mm-hmm. here's basically what happens down in Cabo. I live in Cabo San Lucas. I live right up behind uh, Walmart up on the hill. We have a beautiful view. It's spectacular. I was running Fletcher Jones's yacht down there for a couple of years. And then this social media thing just took off and I don't, I'm not running any boats anymore. All I do is social media. So I put out three brand new videos every single day, Monday through Sunday. And I put out a brand new picture every day. Here's how it goes. Seven o'clock in the morning, a brand new picture goes out eight o'clock in the morning, a brand new video goes out. 12 o'clock, I do my podcast. 2 o'clock, a brand new video goes out. And then at 6 o'clock at night, a brand new video goes out. So what I do, we get up in the morning, we hang out. Oh, and I have a monkey too. So the monkey takes up a ton of our time too. His name's Marley, and he's on the podcast every single day. He's a pretty cool little dude. He's the smallest monkey in the world. He's eight and a half inches tall, full grown. He's two years old. And so Marley's on the podcast. We take care of the monkey. That's like a full-time job. We take care of the monkey. (laughs) We have two rescue cats, me and my beautiful wife, Kelly. And uh, basically what we do is, and we get 10,000 comments a week. So we (laughs) spend all day, every day Mm -hmm. on an iPad or or the phone or the laptop answering everybody's comments and then taking care of the monkey and editing all those videos. So we're super busy. All the time. It never stops. It's just a giant machine. Once I found out that people like to listen to me talk more than even at the seminar. And I I knew it when I was doing seminars mm-hmm. that there was something there, but I didn't really know how much was there until the social media thing took off. And then I found out that I get money for the views. Try to shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, when it comes to, you had mentioned that you read the comments every day and, and all that. Nowadays, it's almost like, especially for an influencer like yourself, it's hit or miss whether people either read their own comments or they dabble into them or they only read so many and everything. And, and with so much, I guess, uh, struggles with you know people being mean and all that, and you've already mentioned that you're, you're basically a no, no negativity guy um, on, on your website. How do you manage that? Well, I get 10,000 comments a week, Chris, and probably, and Darren, you won't even believe this. Out of those 10,000, I'd say 9,000 of them are super negative, like the most negative stuff you've ever read in your life. Wow. It's crazy, but you know what? And people go, oh, you're so arrogant. You're so cocky. Listen, I've been doing this for a living for 48 years at a super high level for some very, very rich people. And I've done it for billionaires and millionaires and and uh, did it for the family. I know what I'm talking about and I know what I'm doing. So I don't really care if you don't think I know what I'm talking about. It, it makes me laugh and I'll play with them. I actually get in there and play with them because here's how, here's how social media works. 
you get paid by the views and you get sponsorships by the views and all the companies that are out there looking for influencers, they're looking for how many views you get. That's what everyone looks at. The bottom corner, how many views did you get on that video? So if you get on there and you tell me, one of my best videos is how to tie up the boat. I've done it like 50 times because I get millions of views every single time I try to show you how to tie up a boat. I'll have people, oh my gosh, threaten to kill me, come to my house and kill me and because I don't know how to tie up a boat, which is the most funniest thing I've ever heard of in my life. And it's the way <laughs> we tie up the boat. But I answer every one of those comments and I, and I make it fun and I ask them a question about it or I even ask them to make me a video on the proper way. They can't make it. They don't even know. You know, most of them are in their bedroom. They've never been outside before. They're wider than my door. And uh, they're tell me that I don't know how to, but I, I, I play with them and I get them to comment. Every time you comment, that's another view. So I'm, I'm giving you secrets here, but all the comments are views because if I comment back on there and I make it a question, then they come back and they, they think I want the answer, which is so, it's, <laughs> I don't let it get to me. It's fun. I have a ball with them. I play with them all day. It's like my game. It's a game that I play with them. I love like we said when we were getting ready to do this, mm-hmm. I love controversy. I eat it. That's my favorite thing. I love, love, love controversy. And I, I eat it up every single day. And I don't really, at the end of the day, there's only about seven or eight people on the planet Earth that I really care about what they think of me. Mm-hmm. And, and the rest, I don't, you know, you've never sat down with me and had a cup of coffee. You don't really know who I am. You have no idea the struggles I've gone through. You know, no idea that I've been sober for 35 years. You have no idea what kind of a father I am or what kind of a parent I am. So you make a negative comment. I don't care. (laughs) Speaking of controversy, do you get flack or have you gotten flack for um, having your guides get on other people's boats and show them how to fish, show them where the fish are, where to look? Do you get flack from that from the sport boat industry? Well, here's, here's really fun, something funny. Back in the day when I first started, I started that guide service back before anybody even knew there was, how to say internet. And uh, I made a bunch of videos with Don, Don Brockman, Joe Barian, Danny Jackson, and myself. Danny Jackson, who's the uh, videographer for uh, Angler's Chronicles. He used to work with Ronnie Kovacs. But before all that, we made a series of videos back in 1987, 88, of we broke the California coastline down into a library of VHS tapes and uh, gave you all the GPS numbers. That, between Mark Wish making his book at the same time and me doing that, Mark Wish and I were the two most hated human beings in the industry. <laughs> and then, so then along came Billy Killiman, and he, I, Billy's a really close personal friend of mine, Billy Kay. And mm-hmm. then he started to take Mark and I's hate and it pissed me off because I want to be the most hated. I think it's great. I don't really care. Like I told you, Darren, at the, I don't care what anybody thinks. We go with you on your boat and teach you how to fish on your boat. I right. don't teach people how to fish for boats. The number one thing I have t-shirts, hats. I talk about it on let's talk hookup every Sunday morning. We do not teach you how to fish for boats. So we're the best thing that's ever happened to the sport fishing industry because if you're not a part of my website, what you're doing every day when you go out there is you're looking for where's the boats. I don't care if you're offshore, inshore, wherever you are. If you don't have a plan and you don't know all the spots and you don't know how to set up on them, 
you are fishing for boats. You see five boats over there. You're going to go over there and check them out. And your friends are your biggest enemy on your boat because they come out and they go, Darren, where are you going? No, I'm going to go out here and look around on the 209. Darren, there's five boats over there. They're all stopped. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> well, we got to go look. What are they doing? You're like, well, I think one of them's catching fish and the other four are watching. And they're all, no, 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 we got to go look. <laughs> and then, then you end up fishing for boats and your whole day sucks. And I teach people to never, ever, if there's five boats over there, we're going as far away from those five boats as we can. That makes sense.